0: Sorry guys, I was so enjoying that worship, I completely forgot to get my microphone on. And it takes a little while, so here I am, dressed and ready. We're going to, we're going to do this. Remember we had said that um, testimonies are a prophecy to you. When you hear a testimony of anything that God has done in your life, it's a test, or done in someone's life, it's a test, it's a, sorry, let me start again. If you hear a testimony of what God has done in anyone's life, it's a prophecy to you telling you what God wants to do in your life. And we've had some remarkable testimonies happen. We've been sharing them over the weeks, but I have some more for you today. So 2 weeks ago do you remember when we were preaching about the layman at the beautiful gate and he jumped up and was walking and leaping and praising God I even sang in that sermon guys you should you should listen to it or not but we said, let this be a testimony. Let's go ahead and just believe that if God did it once, he can do it again. And we prayed for people who had joints and bones and any kind of weakness in their skeletal system. There's a big word for you. We, we prayed for them. And I, as soon as I got home, I got this, this message from someone who actually lives in brussels believe it or not and she was watching our service she says this good morning carol reporting back as you requested i've had neck pain or or a headache for the past two weeks or so despite diligently doing my prescribed exercises during your prayer for all aches and pains i felt three consecutive clicks in my back starting from below and moving upward pain gone glorious day to you and yours blessings raised hands, dancing girl, all the all the right emojis. Isn't isn't God faithful? So faithful. Then we were sharing testimonies in our staff meeting earlier this week and Paul Chatua, Paul and Carmen. Carmen leads our Children's Church, Paul's in Zunspreit, but he shared this testimony of how he had gone to pray with a family that he'd been reaching out with, and he was uh, at their home, and while he was there, there was like a frantic knock on the door, Uh, a woman came running over from the neighboring house, saying that her son had locked himself in his room, and she couldn't get in, and he'd sent a suicide note via SMS or via WhatsApp to a friend. And so she was just desperate, please come and help me. So Paul and the friend that he was with ran out and they broke down the door and there they found him at death's door in the process of committing suicide, unconscious. And they grabbed him put him in the car, his mother was there with them, they were there. He phoned Carmen and says, start praying. She started praying. Everyone in the car was praying. They were rushing through to the hospital, emergency lights on. They were stopped by the police, and they told the police the story, and the police actually ended up giving them a police escort to the hospital. But when they are a certain way there, the mother, who's on the back seat holding the son, she uh, 's lying across the seat with i guess with her head on his head on her lap um, she she says he 's gone he 's died. Carmen at the same time has gotten a, a word of knowledge she 's with someone, and the two of them as they were praying, they felt like God said to them, "He will live and not die. He will proclaim the goodness of God. so they on the phone say don't stop." We know God's gonna heal him. So he keeps on going, emergency lights and all, and they are praying, praying in tongues, interceding. They slam into the hospital, they don't hit it, but they arrive with great force. Get get him into the emergency room. The doctors start working on him, and then they say, Hey, he's actually alive. He's actually alive. And God had resurrected, God had brought him back. I know, I know. Two families in that moment saw the power of God. All of them, the family, the original family that Paul was trying to reach out to, and the next door family who had had this experience with the son, both of them are saying, please come, come back and tell us about Jesus. We want to know about this God who brings people back from death. This powerful God who can do anything. Isn't that amazing? So... Heck, if those are if those are prophecies to you, let's pray. If you have pain in your body, or you um, have anyone you know that is battling with any kind of mental illness, if you are battling with mental illness, or you know someone battling with mental illness, perhaps you've had suicidal thoughts, or perhaps you're just feeling depressed. I'm I'm gonna, or perhaps it's not you, it's someone you know. So if you stand up, we're not going to be all looking at you and saying, hmm. So I'm going to ask you, if you are associated with either of those things, pain in your body or some kind of um, mental illness, depression, anxiety, insomnia, etc., I'm going to ask you to stand up. I would love to pray for you. I feel like God, God is doing something, and we want to be a part of it. Those of you, you know the drill. If there's someone near you standing up, won't you just turn to them and lay your hands on them? Let's be brothers and sisters to these. They were brave to stand up. So let's let's honor that courage and say, yes, we're agreeing with you. We're agreeing with you for this miracle. So Lord God, we come before you. And first of all, I pray for everyone who has pain in their bodies. Lord God, I speak to that pain. I speak to that thing that is causing the pain. And I say, you must go in Jesus' name. I say, systems of the body align to the word of God. Be transformed by the word of God. Right now, I say to you that he sent his word to heal you. And I command right now that pain to leave in Jesus' name. Headaches to go, back pain to go, hip pain to go, leg pain to go, abdominal pain, you must go in Jesus' name. We just declare that right now. Healing, healing, healing. Thank you, Father. And right now, I speak anyone battling with any kind of mental illness, depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, feel mood swings, uncontrollable mood swings. Right now, I speak to those in Jesus' name, and I command them to go. Lord God, we stand on your word. Lord God, you promised that you gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I speak to these minds, and I say, receive the truth of Jesus Christ. I speak to these bodies, the chemicals in these bodies, and I say, be right in Jesus' name. Be right in Jesus' name. We speak to that anxiety, and we say, God, Gone in Jesus' name. We speak to that depression. We say, Gone in Jesus' name. We declare over every life here, joy, delight, life, happiness, focus, peace. In Jesus' name we declare this. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Those of you who stood, please, I'm asking you this. Won't you, won't you trust with us for this complete breakthrough? And won't you come and tell us? If you get partial breakthrough, just come and tell us anyway. We'll stand with you and we'll pray again. If you, if you don't get breakthrough, come and tell us and we'll pray again. God is in the business of setting people free and we want to partner with your faith to see that come in your life. So please, don't keep it to yourself. Please come and speak to one of the leaders. Speak to your Connect Group leader. Let's allow this, the truth of what God is doing in you, to be a part of all of our testimony. Amen. So, we are on the book of Acts. Hasn't it been fabulous? Can you just feel faith growing in your soul? I was with some uh, leaders today, not yesterday, and le- connect group leaders and they were just telling me how life-giving it's been in their connect groups to talk through how the early church just lived the gospel relentlessly yeah. and how much life it was bringing to them how it was reminding them of what their faith really is what this gospel truly is yeah. so i hope you're joining with us if you're not in a connect group please just head over to the info table, signed up, and we will get you into a connect group so you can journey with us through that. Life's not fair. Have you noticed that? Life's not fair. When I was about eight years old, my sister and I climbed a magnolia tree. When we were about halfway up the tree, my sister started saying nasty things. She was picking a fight. It's hard to have a fight up a magnolia tree, but we did it. (laughs) Hanging on with one arm, we were swatting each other. It it was getting nasty. My sister at one stage reaches out her hand, grabs my hair and pulls out a clump. I'm telling you, it's true. That's not the worst of it. We were both shocked. You know, it's like when you've done something, and you don't quite know what to do about it. We both were just staring at each other. It was pretty painful. I was holding back the tears. And then, she looked at me. I could see the cogs turning in her mind. She shimmied down that tree so fast, ran inside to my father, holding out the clump of hair, and said, Dad, look what Carol did. She pulled out a clump of my hair true story, true story, life's not fair. My dad pulled me down that tree so fast and because it was still fashionable in those days gave me the hiding of my life. Yeah, I know, life's not fair. Luckily, not luckily, praise the Lord, my sister has grown up quite a decent adult. (laughs) She's quite a nice person, I like her very much. She's left behind her, her erring ways. However, if she were to tell you the story, I think it might go a bit differently. But I am sticking to my version. (laughs) Life's not fair. You know, this is a trivial example of life not being fair. But we all know we live in this world. We've all seen bad things happen to good people. We've all seen innocent people suffer. Indeed, life's not fair. And even though, like I said, I, I shared a very trivial example, it certainly points to a more serious problem in the world. You know what, darling? I didn't bring my clicker up here, and it's in my handbag, and I wondered why my slides weren't. And this is being streamed, and I'm going to look awfully silly on the stream. Lord Jesus, please all pray for me. It's on. The statement, life's not fair, points to some very serious issues. Did you know, last year, 5,600 Christians were killed for their faith in the world? 2,100 churches were attacked or closed. 124,000 Christians were forcibly displaced. This year, 309 million Christians face very high or extremely high levels of persecution. 19 of those nations in which these Christians live are in Africa. Now, it, one in five African Christians face very high or extremely high levels of persecution. Nigeria. Is the number one nation where a Christian is likely to die for their faith. Life's not fair has some very serious implications. We pray, we pray that this will stop. We pray that God would invade the world and and make a difference, that they would be strong and courageous, they wouldn't forsake their faith, and we pray that God would preserve our nation. That religious freedom would remain here. But even though we pray this, we know that this is not new. This situation is not new. This past week, if, you, if you're tracking with us, you will have read Acts 7 and 8, where Stephen was stoned for his faith. I promised Andrew I would not make the joke that this is not the marijuana stoned. So I'm not gonna make that joke. Is that okay? So don't laugh. But in Acts 7 and 8, you read the story of how Stephen was stoned for his faith. What we what we see in those stats are most certainly not new. What does that mean for you and me? Lord Jesus, I pray. That as we go through the story, as we delve into your word, that you would come and speak truth to us. You would set us free from any mediocre Christianity. You would help us to live the kind of life worthy of those who have died for our faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would come and visit us. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. So we pick up the story You remember Stephen, he had been chosen as one of those who would serve as a deacon in the early church. He had had served the widows in the church diligently. We also hear about how he went about preaching the gospel, and signs and wonders were done through his name. At one stage, he irritates a certain synagogue, a synagogue of the freedmen, you would have read that, um, which are Jews from outside of Jerusalem. And freed slaves. He irritated them and they haul him through before the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling-governing religious council of Judaism at the time, seated in Jerusalem. And we take up the story in verse 54, Act 7, verse 54. Now, when they, the Sanhedrin, heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. I mean, that's pretty mad. Do you agree with me? That's pretty mad. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. Lord, bless reading of your word in our hearts. My opening example is probably the most trivial of persecutions you will ever hear and I I was persecuted not for my faith I was persecuted probably for my stupidity but here we see the most extreme form of persecution. Someone dying for their faith in a very gruesome way i don 't know what you 've experienced in life but but South Africa praise the Lord doesn 't fall near the extreme end of persecution it falls near the near the less severe form of persecution in the sense that of course you 've experienced resistance to your faith you 've Um, received people rejecting you or not not liking you because of your faith. So most certainly, wherever you go, no matter what nation you live in, there will be persecution for your faith, but it will range from the the trivial to the extreme. Praise the Lord, we live in a country where persecution is not institutionalized. But nonetheless, I do want to promise you this, that you will experience it at some level. Jesus defined persecution like this. In Luke 6, he said, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leave for joy because great is your reward in heaven. He defined persecution as four things. Hatred, exclusion, exclusion, insults and rejection is there anyone in the hall who has not experienced some of that because of their faith don't raise your hand if you haven't some of it is coming i I guarantee that lots of good stuff is coming but some of that bad stuff is also on the way you see we've all experienced some of that so what do we do about it this scripture is pretty clear He sandwiches, Jesus sandwiches all those rough things between blessing and rejoicing. Do you see that? I mean it's it's like it's like saying, let me beat you up and then let's have fun afterwards. It's it's counterintuitive, it's tough to handle. But the Bible is very clear from start to finish that there's a level of blessing and rejoicing that comes with persecution. How do we put that together? We put it together by the bottom line, because great is your reward in heaven. Now, if you read there, great is your reward when you die, you're reading it wrong. Jesus didn't say, great is your reward when you die, although heck, it's going to be a great reward. In the light of persecution, he didn't say, Great will be your reward when you die. He said, Great will be your reward in heaven. You see, Jesus didn't espouse a Greek version of heaven, which was the spiritual place you go to when you die. Jesus Jesus proclaimed from start to finish a kingdom that was coming through his message, that was busy invading the world, that was empowered by his resurrection. He spoke of a a kingdom that was now and present. He said, this kingdom of heaven is among you. This kingdom of heaven is yours. This kingdom of heaven is now. He instructed us in our preaching to preach this, that the kingdom of heaven is here. You see, he wasn't saying, great is your reward when you die. He was saying, there is a parallel reality to the world around you that I have brought through my life, death, and resurrection. When you face persecution, you will be able to somehow straddle these two worlds, somehow see into this other world that is right here around you, and your reward will be great. Do you see this happening in Stephen's life? Right in the middle of his persecution, what is he doing? He's looking, it says, he's filled with the Spirit. He's gazing intently at an open heaven. At the picture of God with Jesus Christ standing at his right hand. What's so interesting is that Jesus was standing most of the times people report seeing Jesus, they say he's seated at the right hand of, of the Father. At this point, it's like, it's like Jesus stood up for his son. I see what you're going through. I'm standing up. I'm ready for action. We see and able to face these diffi- this difficult experience and receive somehow life and joy. Yeah. It's like there's this dome of delight over him as the rocks rain down. Yeah. Right. It's like there was power that he received. To change persecution into praise. And when I read the scripture, two remarkable things stand out. That I think enabled him to do it. Two kind of principles or truths that if we can get them into our lives, I'm telling you, you will be immovable in the face of opposition. There will be a boldness in your heart that it doesn't matter what people say or do. You will be able to stand firm in your convictions of who Christ is. You won't buckle under peer pressure. You won't be swayed by people's opinion of Christianity and the church. You will be sure and strong in your presentation of this glorious reality that Jesus has won in everything and he has a place for every single person in this magnificent kingdom that is here now. That is here now. The first is the spirit of glory. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say spirit of glory because this is so important. I want you to not forget that phrase, spirit of glory. And if you hate it when the preacher does this, just do it anyway and just chalk it up to my, my childishness the spirit of glory at the very beginning of this passage that i read i mean you saw those sanhedrin dudes i mean they were pretty intense i mean how do you gnash your teeth at someone i mean you've got to be you've got to be pretty determined to be angry I mean, they rushed at him. They basically threw him out the city. They stopped their ears. They're shouting. If you want my opinion, it looks like some kind of demonic manifestation. I mean, they are that mad. that It's, it's beyond human madness. It's like they're being stirred up by a, another ungodly dimension. In the face of this, we see Stephen. And he, despite this... Barrage of anger coming at him. He's gazing, he's being fooled, he's staring at something that's mesmerizing him. It's captivating his soul to the point, to the point that his very heart is unable to even feel the pain and the, the, the heartache of what's going on around him. What is that thing that he's gazing at? He's gazing at the glory of God, the spirit of glory. 1 Peter 4 verse 14 says this, when people insult you for the name of Christ, blessed are you, there we have it again, blessed of you because it says the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What is the glory of God? It is the, the power and the beauty of his infinite and eternal perfections. It is the power and beauty of his eternal and infinite perfections. Have you ever wondered why human beings love beauty? Have you ever wondered why human beings love music, why we love a magnificent painting, why we can stand and look at a sunrise and just be overawed, because we were created for God's glory. We were created to come alive in the presence of the magnificence of God. Everything within you yearns for that. Everything within you yearns for that. The glory of God is Eden returned. Have you ever thought what it would be like to live in the Garden of Eden? It is the glory of God settling on the earth. The glory of God is this kingdom that that Jesus has brought that is meant to manifest on this earth. Everything put right, everything in its place, everything sparkling with the life of God. You were born. You were born for the glory of God. Everything within you yearns for this. You don't know it. You thought you were yearning for a spouse. You thought you were yearning for a new car. No, your soul is yearning for the glory of God. Your soul is yearning for the glory of And when you catch glimpses of it in different places, your heart is turned to that. What if the fullness of this could be manifested to you? Would not that be blessing and rejoicing? And Stephen in this moment is looking up at the glory of God. And everything else is paling in comparison. Do you remember that interval between four and forty hours that you put your mother through excruciating agony in order to be born. I promise you that when your parents held you, the last thing they were thinking about was that pain. I promise you that when they held you, all they could think of was, oh, My word, it's a real, live child. (laughs) That's before you started crying at 2 in the morning and stuff. But until that time, before you had started all that stuff, it was, oh, wow. All of that just faded. All of the past pain faded with this beauty that they held in their arms. There's something about the wrestle, the labor pains that this earth goes through in order to birth the kingdom of God. There's something about the labor pains, the the work, the effort, the pressure that we all feel as the glory of God is being birthed on this earth. We experience that as persecution, as resistance, as rejection, as insults, as hatred, as exclusion. We've experienced that, but that's not what they really are. Really what they are is the birth pains of God's glory. The birth pains of God's glory. C.S. Lewis, who says some fantastic things. I wish I could have been his friend. But he died before I could meet him, long before I was born. He said this, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. You were not made for this fallen world. You were made for this invading presence of God filled with the glory of God. You were made for his presence. And your heart is yearning for the spur of glory to rest upon you. The other thing that really strikes me in this story just remarkable. Luke is so systematic through the the book of Acts as he introduces themes and as he adds them. He's such an intelligent writer. What he's doing is is he's introducing things so he can develop them so that you can come to this revelation of truth as you read through. And right here in the middle of the story, he tells us two unrelated facts. He says the people that are stoning Stephen lay there cloaks, their outer garments at the feet of a man called Saul. We've never met Saul before. We've never heard of him. And right there, bam, in the middle of the story, he just says that. And then he goes on and he says that Saul approved of the execution. You're going to read on further than that. Perhaps you have in the past and you know who Saul became. That Saul became the apostle Paul. Here, he is persecuting the church with the greatest vehemence possible. Two chapters later, you will read of him encountering Christ in a way that is remarkably similar to what Stephen experienced here. Stephen is viewing the glory of God. Paul saw at that stage is going along the road to persecute more Christians, and the glory of God manifests in front of him. He's thrown off his his ride and is blinded by the glory of God. It's an interesting fact that I've, I've watched as, I, as I've gone through life and I've seen Christians go through life, is that the, the way in which you live before your persecutors, in the way in which you live before those who don't know Christ, they're gonna come to, many of them are going to come to know Christ, but they will embrace the kind of Christia- Christianity that they saw in you. If you're living out a mediocre Christianity, they will embrace that kind of Christianity. But here, Paul, Saul, is in confronted with the glory of God, and he immediately embraces the kind of radical, powerful Christianity that he saw in Stephen. Why? Because he had an example. That was Christianity to him. He didn't have another example. He'd watched one of the most faithful Sons of God die before him, seeing the glory of God. In his mind, Christianity is this, that I will stop at nothing to bring this message to the world. To him, Christianity was that I gaze at the glory of God, and this gives me strength so that I can push past any obstacle. This was Christianity to him. He didn't flounder around with, how should I live it, how should I not live it? He had an example right in front of him, and he just jumped right in. He just jumped right in. You see, in this this environment, Stephen, without even knowing it, it was, was embracing and exuding the power of God to be a witness. Right there, as he was dying, God was convicting a man's heart, was laying the foundations in a man's heart who would become probably the greatest proponent of Christianity of that age. All of the Apostle Paul, because later on he was called Paul, all of the Apostle Paul's victories, in essence, were Stephen's victories too. The power to be a witness. Have you ever wondered why there's so much evil in the world? If you haven't wondered this, you haven't read the news. Have you ever wondered that? Have your friends ever asked that? If God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? The short answer is this. The short answer is this. We chose autonomy from God, and this is the result. That's the short answer. It leads you to another question. And this other question goes like this. Why doesn't God simply wipe out all the evil in the world? I mean, wouldn't it have been great if while those Sanhedrin are snorting violent, angry snorts and uh, grinding their teeth and rushing a Stephen, that God just went, bam, and wiped them all out? I mean, that would be a story. I mean, that's the story we want to read, actually. So, why did God not do that? When they were laying their cloaks at Paul, why didn't God just strike him down right then? This is why. It's not a short answer, but this is why. God's not closing the door until all the family's home. You see, the Bible is very clear that many on that council, that ruling council, became obedient to the faith. The Bible is very clear that Saul himself became obedient to the faith. There are people right now that are your biggest opposition that are going to become obedient to the faith. And God is unwilling to strike down the evil in the world because right now that evil is in people that he is busy calling. And he is waiting for those people to come home. You see, God's not closing the door until all the families home. A saying the U.S. Marines have is, leave no one behind. That's how God is. He was unwilling to leave you behind, and he's unwilling to leave the souls behind, the priests who were going to come to know him behind. He's unwilling to leave them behind. So therefore, he's patient, and he asks you in the midst of persecution, will you display the glory of God? Will you display display the love of God so that they will see a Christianity that they can embrace? I know it's a sober message but must be preached must be preached Just give me a moment I feel the Lord speaking to my heart and I just want to be obedient to this You know there are there are people in this room you've experienced some bad stuff. And you know, some of it was because you were Christian and the others around you weren't so Christian, but some of it is just because the glory of God inside of you just irritated those who didn't know God around you. You didn't even know it was persecution, but it it really was. And I, I feel like God wants to let you know that as you have stood faithfully... For the gospel, as you've stood faithfully for the gospel, it it has ripped open the veil over those people's hearts and minds. And it is allowing them to see something that they could not see before. And I hear the Lord saying, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done, those I love. Well done, those I love. You know, as I begin to close, there is something startling about Stephen in this in this message. I hope you I hope you saw it as we read the scripture. Is that on in his death throes it says, he cried out, Father, do not hold this against them. Does it remind you of anything? Does it remind you of Jesus on the cross? cross saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The other thing that happened on the cross that is so startling is that the veil in the temple that separated where the presence of God resided to the world was torn in half and the presence of God came roaring out to all humanity. As, As Stephen was dying, it's like that same tearing of the veil between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness happened right there for many people who are watching certainly for him you see he was following jesus not only when it was comfortable he was following jesus even when it was hard but here's the beauty of if you do the things jesus did you'll get the results jesus got Life isn't fair, but in the unfairness, God's kingdom comes and ultimately sets everything right. As I said to you in the beginning, my sister did grow up to be a really fantastic adult. None of, well, actually some of it because of my witness to her. Far more. Victories are coming to you as you stand in the face of God's glory. You see, life is not fair. But here's the truth I want to end with. God is just. Life's not fair, but God is just. What does that mean? It means no matter what you go through, No matter how unfair it is, God will be just. And that means he will always, always win in the end. And it means that he will always, always vindicate you. Always. You don't have to defend yourself. God will defend you in ways that are beyond your imagination. What do you think Paul thought of Stephen as he went about his saved life? Stephen was probably his hero. He Thought of Stephen as the highest epitome of Christianity. All shame was removed. Those priests who turned to God, what do you think they thought of Stephen? They probably cited his life as one of the reasons why they became the people they became. You see, life's not fair, but God is just. He will turn everything around. He will make everything right, and you can trust him. Life's not fair, but God is perfectly just. Father, we come before you, and we, we welcome your presence. Holy Spirit, we delight in you. You know what I feel like the right thing to, be would, to do would be? is I feel, like, I feel like there's a place in light of this great sacrifice that Stephen made that we all just recommit our lives to Jesus. We all, just, we all just take time to say, God, I'm in this for everything. Not just for the good times, but for all times. For all times. In the face of opposition, in the face of insult. In the face of rejection, hatred, exclusion, I'm here. Lord, come and bring your grace, that same grace that rested on Stephen, Lord God, that in the face of anything, I will be true. I will be true to what you say. I will be true to who you are. I'm going to invite you. Can I invite all of us to just stand? you are can you just make that commitment to him i'm not even going to lead you in a prayer i want you to pray i just want you to pray wholeheartedly from your innermost being and you know what some of you are feeling fear that's okay tell him that anyway tell him who you want to be and ask for grace to be that thank you lord we're so humbled by what we see here. Lord God, we confess all the times we've moaned about just a little bit of discomfort in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and make us different. Make us into the kind of Christians that that are unfearful, that are bold, that are courageous. The kind of Christians that are connected to the glory of God that the power to witness rests on. Holy Spirit, make us into those. Make us into those, my Lord and King. Make us into those. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord God, help us to put the discomforts that we face into the right place. We don't have to deny them, Lord God, but let them sit far below your glory. Father God, make us the kind of Christians that are radical in our stance for you, radical in our lifestyle, radical in our behavior. Father God, make us into the kind of people that when people see our lives and they they say yes to Christianity, they adopt a Christianity that we would say we we are proud to call those disciples. the replication of our life in others would look fantastic thank you father lord come lord come i hear the lord saying i receive your hearts my children i receive your hearts my children My delight is in you. I am rejoicing over you with singing. I have heard your cries, and I am pouring out my spirit on you. Watch and see what I will do in the days to come, for I will open up doors for you that no one can shut. I will put you in places of influence. You will declare my word, my message, before kings, before priests, before men and women of high standing. And indeed, they will bow their knee before me. They will stand in this nation, and they in turn will declare the goodness that I am and I have shown through Jesus Christ. My children, my children, thank you. Thank you for saying yes. 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 For saying yes. Lord, we, we commit to not back down, not stand aside, to in humility and love always with honor and respect. Stand up for what's true. Stand up for Jesus Christ. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. There's one last thing I want to pray as we as we close the service. There are some people here. You may have been in church for a while. You may this might be your first time at church, but you 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 know that your life isn't right with God. And you would like to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can be reconciled to God your Father. And if that's you here, I'd love you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I surrender my life to you. Lord, I repent and turn from the way I've been living and I turn to you, the living God. I accept the work Jesus did on the cross and I receive him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you hear here and you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's the second or third time, but you really meant it, I would love to pray with you. So if you did that, won't you just raise your hand so that I can acknowledge you, so that we can acknowledge you. Is there anyone here who prayed that prayer? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. We see you. I'm gonna ask you to do one final thing. Won't you bring your stuff that you brought and come down to the front so that I can physically pray for you? And can we give them a hand as they come? Come on up. Come on, bring your bring your stuff. We're we'll waiting for you. We see you coming up. pray for these. Lord, we welcome, Lord, the joy I feel is your joy. Lord, thank you for these. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family, Lord God, we receive them. We say yes to all you are. We open up space for you and we say welcome, welcome to the family. Lord God, right now in Jesus' name, we seal this work, this decision. Holy Spirit, come and flood them with your presence. Make them new. Make them new in Jesus' name. Make them new. Cause them to be born again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen and amen. Have a glorious day. God's with you.